Welcome to the WanderLearn podcast where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. In this episode, I'll be talking with two women who have experienced living in Nigeria. That's Sharon, as well as Rejoice Tapon. I spend most of the time talking with Sharon, and I like to know certain things about Nigeria. For example, when you think about Nigeria, what positive things come to mind? Tell me about the food of Nigeria. What about, do the people of Nigeria look at oil, petroleum as a source of problems or as a blessing? Also, what countries have has Sharon been to and what does she think culturally of them, the differences between these different countries? For example, she's been to a couple of African countries and she actually lived in Ethiopia. We have a tendency to look at all countries at the same. Well, tell me a little bit about how Ethiopia is different than Nigeria. And what does she see the problems of traveling as a young Nigerian throughout Africa? What is the future of Nigeria? I look into the crystal ball with her and ask her what 2025 will be like. And finally, now that she's just arrived in Tanzania briefly, I want to get her initial opinion of Tanzania. So we cover lots of ground in this episode. Go ahead and let's listen to Sharon from Nigeria. This is Francis Tapon with the Wander Learn podcast. I'm here with Sharon George Will, who's from Nigeria, actually from Port Harcourt. And uh, also as her sidekick is my wife, Rejoice Tapon, uh, who will occasionally interject. But let's the main star of the show will be Sharon. Sharon, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your where you were born and raised. Okay, so I was born in the oil-rich city of Port Harcourt. It's known for um, its industrial activities like oil exploration and whatnot. So, yeah, I was born in that city. And it's more like a urban-dominated setting because, I mean, there are lots of buying and selling. There are lots of, like, activities going on. And there's, there's lots of fun. So, yeah. Now, Nigeria oil, a lot of people think, huh, this is, you know, just nothing but environmental problems and a lot of corruption going on. But do the Nigerians themselves, especially those who live in the oil region, the delta there, the Port Harcourt, do they actually look at it differently? Do they say, no, this is giving us lots of jobs and economy and wealth and, you know, some of it does come to us. It doesn't all get sucked away uh, mysteriously. How do the locals feel about the petroleum production in the area? I think right now it's like a little bit mixed because at some point, like definitely, you know, like corruption got involved and everything right now is being monopolized. So the it's not in any way we aren't in any way benefiting because um, of the corruption. I mean, before it used to be like the exploration companies. Um, in a way, give back to the society because, I mean, they provide um, education opportunities, scholarships, and job opportunities. But because of, you know, the high level of corruption involved, right now everything is, you know, being like, drifted to themselves and whatnot. So for us right now, we see it as less beneficial and more of um, creating more environmental problems for us because there are lots of oil spillage. And when this happens, they don't take responsibility for it you know, like the crops are being bad, like the farmlands are, you know, being destroyed and whatnot. So at the end of the day, right now, we are just seeing sufferings from, we're receiving sufferings from these oil exploration companies, of which 
I don't think that's beneficial. Instead, it's like giving us a lot of trouble. So when you become president in the year 2020, will you, what would you do to help resolve this? Um, would you stop oil exploration or would you, how would, what do you think is the solution? This is really, it's a very tricky question. <laughs> I do not have plans to become president in <laughs> the next 20 years. But if that happens by chance. But in 21 years. I do not have a plan to become president because that's a lot of responsibility for a country like Nigeria. And that's like too many responsibility. So, um, but either way, I think that it all comes down to fixing like the corruption because like no matter how much effort you, you put into like trying to make things better, the people are just totally corrupted. So I think like fixing young people who like young people who have been empowered and who are probably less corrupted would be like the best people to focus on in terms of fixing these um, companies or fixing like these oil issues because like I think that it still goes back like no matter how much strategy you have it still goes back to like those corrupt people and you see that nothing changes with these people still there nothing really changes so if the corruption is not it's not reduced I don't think that like, there's gonna be like a lot of progress in terms of like still keeping or retaining the oil companies so would you say that uh, young people are less corrupt than the older generation? I'm also not, I'm not technically saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying that the more empowered young people are, the more they're thinking of making progress or thinking of fixing the issues. So I, I don't I, I think that it all also comes down to empowering more young people. It is definitely one of the trickiest problems to solve in like corruption because I mean I don't know where do you start especially when it's pervasive all over the society. Really, corruption is like the bug that, that bites a lot of people and changes a lot of things. Really, uh, it's, seriously, Francis, I have no idea what to talk on the subject of corruption. <laughs> if people don't change or if people like don't see reasons to change, I. I don't think and it all also comes down to as little as being responsible and being accountable for the little like service you're offering or the little things that you're doing so if that if that misses in the equation I mean everything is just all like a game or a joke or something I don't know so now what is your background your educational background and what's your kind of career path that you're heading off on Okay, so I think I have like one of the most unique backgrounds and whatnot because I studied botany, which is like the study of plants. But currently I'm doing a lot in technology, around technology. So I'm trying to make the world better by, you know, building sustainable technology platforms out there. And yeah, so right now my career is in technology instead of botany. So that's like really unique to me. And so what would you like to do? What I would like to do is what I'm currently doing. So I'm trying to change the world one step at a time using technology. Specifically, I mean, technology is a broad field. So what specifically, like, uh, it's not bot, it's not agricultural uh, technology. It's not uh, biotech crops. Okay, so um, I sort of like have um, a wide knowledge and vast knowledge on technology. So I, for now, I'm focusing on building web platforms or like mobile platforms and it's also like i'm also involved in user experience so i'm letting people 
especially digital startups know how to build the right product that are user-centered, something around user experience, something around product development, something around web, web development technologies and all of the things. That's what I'm really focused on right now. Nigeria, when you, when you hear the word Nigeria, a lot of people who don't know much just think negative things. And so what I want to focus on on this podcast is the positive attributes of Nigeria so people can kind of start thinking differently about Nigeria, not just think about corruption, which of course we unfortunately brought up right from the beginning. <laughs> but but uh, there is more to Nigeria than just corruption and other bad news. When you think of Nigeria, think of positive things, what comes to mind? I think what comes to mind, uh, what positive things that come to mind is how hospitable the people are. So even locals, foreigners, anyone. So the people are like really hospitable. They are also hustlers. I would love to say use the word hustlers because they're like quick on the go. They're like they're doing things like really quick and you know getting like good results. I mean that that really means a lot to us. And you can see it like in like different Nigerians that you meet across the world. They're like looking for ways to get things done and like whatnot. So I think like that's like the most aside the fact that Nigeria is really diverse. I mean you can't really like tell like this is how the people is because I mean people are scattered everywhere. It's one of like the most populous black nation in the world. So like it's really diverse even for me as a Nigerian. So I think it is the most populous black nation in the world and soon it will become the third most populous nation by twenty fifty it's gonna be bigger than the United States. Um it's right now two hundred million and it's and it's going to I've seen projections up into the next century. It will actually pass China. I can't even say. I can't say, but it's likely. It's likely. What other things about Nigeria that you, let's say, encourage people to come see or do in Nigeria that, that they're missing out on? Definitely the food. You just can't find Nigerian food outside Nigeria. It's like... You have to get there to have the taste. I mean, forget about how spicy the foods are, but Nigeria is the place where you can't miss having food. The food is like just everywhere. Sometimes you have like different varieties and you're just confused on which one to have. Even us as Nigerians, we haven't tasted, Jesus, we just haven't tasted half of the varieties of food out there. So, I mean, you can't have it all. Nigeria is like the place where you just have to come and taste the food, really. The food is like really... But uh, Rejoice is shaking her head. She doesn't seem to she approve agrees. of you. Oh, that is agreement. I agree with her completely. The food is amazing. Since I left Nigeria, I missed the food. I really How long did you live in Nigeria? Give a little bit of background because people think of you as Cameroonian, Rejoice, and uh, you actually spent most of your life in Nigeria, actually. Yes, I spent most of my life in Nigeria with my mom. She has a restaurant, so I know the food... I spent like about almost all my life until when I was uh, 15, I left and went back to Cameroon. So what Sharon said about the food in Nigeria, I really missed it. I love our Cameroonian food, but they're, they're not as delicious and uh, big selection as the ones they have in Nigeria. For example, I miss Egusi soup. I miss uh, Isiewu. <laughs> Okay, so that's like a confirmation to what Rejoice said. I mean, like, you just can't have it all. You can't have it all. They're like really tasty food. Their variety, their varieties. I mean, like, in Nigeria's way, you find like we eat almost all kinds of animals and you can like get them prepared and they turn out delicious and whatnot. So, 
What's your favorite? What's your favorite dish? My favorite dish is a fang soup with gari. It's like a cassava flour kind of thing, and then it's like some like ugali, and then you eat it with the afang soup. The afang soup is really native to the Calabar and Aquaibom. That's all in the south. It's all in the Niger Delta. So, what's your what's your favorite? My favorite dish is egusi soup and and pounded yam. The egusi soup it comes with everything: dry fish, crayfish, stock meat, fish. palm oil, stockfish. It is just delicious. And it also comes with goat meat, like yeah, goat even meat. the sea, the sea, the sea animals as well. You have like a variety of sea animals inside the soup. Mm. <laughs> if you go to Nigeria, you have to test egusi soup. You know the egusi soup that was cooked by someone who knows how to melon. cook it. Yeah. And also she said one thing about Nigerians being very fast and productive and and quick. I agree with her, but not all of the Nigerians, the Southerners, you know, when you take the Igbos, the Yorubas and you the Potakot, you go south. They tend to be much more productive, fast and quick and everything. I lived in the northern part and they seem to be going slow like all the other Africans. But the Southern Nigerians, the Igbos in particular, and the Yorubas, they are just you, you, they're everywhere in the world. They're in Europe, America, and just doing things. They're going to China, importing car parts, everything. But the Hausa people and the Fulani, which I'm one of them, they tend to stay at home and just relax yeah, a little tattoos. bit, yeah, and go slow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what, what, what were we saying? Okay, so the Fulani, like she said, they're just... Um, Cattle uh, guys. <laughs> yeah, so they are cattle rarers, and that's where most of the food comes from. So they have to stay back and, you know, do some farming and whatnot. So the other parts of the country can have surplus of food. So that's, like, really particular to the to the northern people. They are just home dwellers. They like to work on their farms and like to, you know, take care of the animals and whatnot. It takes a long time to prepare some of these meals, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So that's... The time spent in making the food, it's part of the spice. So we like take our time to prepare it so it comes out really tasty and really nice because, I mean, there's no point like, you know, rushing out and then you get a bad meal and then, you know, you get your reputation spoiled and whatnot. So we also like to take our time, especially when it comes to making the meals because we want it to turn out really nice. Yeah. How many countries have you been to so far and in particular the ones in Africa? Okay, so I think like, all, from all my travel experience, I have just been traveling around Africa. I, have, I haven't been out of the continent. Um, so, so far, I have been to nine countries, including Tanzania. Uh, can you list the nine? Okay, so I've been to Ghana. I won't mention Nigeria because I'm from Nigeria. So, I've been to Ghana, Togo, Benin, Senegal, um, Uganda, Ethiopia, Tanzania, Kenya. Ivory Coast, yes, Ivory Coast. Okay, so basically, West and East Africa is yes, where you... Um, and so uh, did you now uh, one of the misconceptions that people have is that all Africans are the same. And so I want you to clarify. Well, I mean, already Rejoice talked a little bit about how not all Nigerians are the same. In other words, there's there's big differences just between the north and the south. Um, but can you also speak up about a little bit? Let's just start with two countries that seem on the surface to be similar in the sense that they're both West African. They're both Anglophones. That's Ghana and Nigeria. So they're both Anglophone, West African countries. How do you think culturally or in other ways that they are different um, 
that you, that that stood out for you when you were traveling around Ghana? Uh, I I think like, I didn't really like notice um, the difference because I mean like we had like s- several similarities because mm-hmm. I mean in terms of being productive we share some similarities and also th- I think the difference mostly comes with the food the hospitability I think because like Nigerians are a little b- like are more welcoming like they're more welcoming to Ghanaians. So I think that is like the major thing that I found out as a Nigerian living in Ghana. Cause Did you feel as a Nigerian in general when you're traveling through Africa that people are a bit uh, skeptical? They look at your passport at the border and they say, you know. Oh. I had that issue like a lot of times, especially with the immigration. So the only like um, place where I didn't have trouble is definitely Nigeria. Because I am Nigerian. <laughs> but like as soon as I got to the country, to my destination, I had like issues all the way from the airport to, down to the, the country itself. So, I mean, there's this, um, I think it's like disparity or something. I'm not really sure on what term to use, but I do not want to call it racism. But I think it's like a disparity. I don't know, but... That's how Nigerians are being seen, like outside of Nigeria. So people are just thinking, oh, we are like some corny set of people and we like to exploit other people and you know what not. But I mean, I think it's because probably we are smarter. I think think it's like our ability to, you know, be quick and be, you know, more productive than, you know, the other Africans that probably makes us stand out. And that is like one weakness for all sorry not not really a weakness but a disadvantage i think kind of because sometimes people mistake the fact that you know we try to get things right to being exploited i know that like there are bad people around the world not just nigerians there are a lot of bad people but then people like you know want to use the bad you know to you know override the good and you know forget about the good that you have done and whatnot so that's like a really like big problem for us as nigerians especially like when we go outside the country and i have definitely faced that a lot of times when i've been to other countries people are like this girl wants to just come and you know exploit us and whatnot and you know they don't let you get in because they know once you get in you're like going for your targets you're going for your mark and whatnot so they just don't want that you know, it's a paradox because obviously having a hardworking, ambitious society is one of the key things you want to have in order to have a, a powerful country and a productive country. And yet, you know, in Nigeria, it's, it's, it's almost as if some people think it's too much, or at least for African standards, I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, I think that's, I, I don't know why that happens, but I don't know, like, some, like when even I got to Tanzania and they're like, Sharon, you have to like calm down a bit because these guys are like quite slow. It makes me feel so bad that even like in the same Africa where, I mean, we all find ourselves, I mean, everyone wants to progress. Everyone wants to, you know, improve the economy and whatnot. But then they're still dragging us back in a way because... I mean, here I am as Nigerian, and then I'm coming to your country. I'm trying to make things better. I'm trying to make the society better. I'm trying to make people become more productive. And then you're like, oh, no, Sharon, you really, you know, you have to slow down. Things are not done that way here and all of those things. It kind of makes, like, other people so sad as well, especially people who want change, people who want growth and whatnot. It makes us, like, really 
sad that I mean Africans are not ready for progress. It's kind of like I don't know what to say again. <laughs> it's a problem, really. Uh, you were in Sharon. You were in Ethiopia. Uh, you were in Addis Ababa, and what was your experience there? How long did you stay, and what was your experience like? Okay, so I stayed for like exactly one year or one year and a few weeks thereabout, and the experience was, I mean, mixed because at some at the, the first time I got there, compared to other African countries that I've been to, I wasn't properly integrated into the culture. I mean, before I arrived, like as usual, I asked questions, you know, about the country and the people and whatnot so i like get my mind prepared before i got there and this is like the first country that i've been through that <laughs> at some point i regretted being in the country because <laughs> i wasn't properly integrated into the the whole culture and it took like a while before i got settled and you know i started work fully and whatnot so in a way it kind of like um interfered with my productivity and it caused me to like come down to like ground zero compared to like you know the hype person that i was i had to you know really just calm down and mix up with the people understand like the realities before i started like work fully and that's in a way really like hindered the goals that you know i wanted to achieve in the country with my work at that time but in all it was like a really great experience it was really great experience because ethiopia is like a really different country it's totally different from all other African countries. The people are different. The country has like lots of fascinating things. And yeah. Give me an example of how it, Ethiopia stands out as being a kind of an exception. Okay, so I could still come back to the people. I it's mean, interesting because for you, you know, when I go to Ethiopia or anywhere, you know, in Africa, I'm always the foreigner. I'm obvious, I'm white, and so I kind of stand out. You, though, because you're black, you can kind of slip in and, and be a bit more under the ra radar, I suppose. Um, but eventually, so you're kind of in it and out of it? Or do you feel like they can spot you from a mile away and say, oh, no, she's definitely not from Ethiopia? Because the Ethiopians have their own kind of look, too. Yes. yes. Okay, so that happened, that happened like almost throughout my stay there. Because like there's some places that like, well, everywhere that we went to, because I had like another Nigerian there, so I wasn't the only one feeling the heat as well. <laughs> so everywhere we went to, we were always being called Africans. I'm like, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> so it was at the same time when we were trying to you know mix up with them, we were trying to really understand these people, and then the, you know we go out somewhere instead of like you know being welcomed, you're being referred to as Africans and they scream it out so loud that it's like sometimes they you know even want to touch you and they're like African sister I'm like are you crazy are you not African <laughs> it's like you're really crazy <laughs> or something and yeah so that's in a way if if I wasn't like uh, someone who really adapts to people and who tolerates a lot I could have probably got offended like a lot of times and I could have punched someone really I swear to god I could have punched someone but then I you know really have to like take it as one of those things i mean it's, it's in their head it's their culture so probably they're thinking oh because you're from the west western part of africa then then that means and you have like a different skin color that means i mean you're africans and then them they are like northern africans or they're europeans and sometimes like when when they say africans i'm like oh europeans <laughs> i'm like oh yeah so we are done for the day you call me african i call you european then you're done for the day you're fine so we got like all of those things for me like it even like really affected the work because 
most of the offices that we go to and that that are really filled with ethiopians we sort of like don't get we don't get attended to because i mean once you start speaking and they support your accent they're like nigerian <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think the attitude just changes and i also like saw that that i think i would call it disparity because we had a white we had like sorry we had someone from one of the european countries on the team and you could even see how he was being treated compared to us who you know from the west so it was like it was how, how how was he treated i think he was like most welcomed he was really welcome like he was integrated he was always like they always took him to the bars i mean like to like nice pub places he always went there but when it came to like us they're like yeah i mean they were a little bit reserved when it when it came to like you know us as nigerians and whatnot so i think he got the most treats either way he got the most treats because i mean his wife at some point we started seeing it as racism i mean like racism still occurs in africa it's Sometimes when we don't want to think about it, that's the truth. I mean, this is so occurs. So you see, like, if you go to, like, the, the Northern Africans, they also had an issue with the African Union. I mean, joining the Union, they had, like, serious trouble joining the African Union as Africa. So they always, like, segmented themselves, and they always, like, related to the Middle East, you know, instead of Sub-Saharan Africa. Meanwhile, like, we share a continent. I mean, really, it didn't make sense. The same thing happens when you actually land in the country and you are like black skinned. You'd face serious, <laughs> serious discrimination. Like you face it like even in the language, you cannot even cope with the language. And then once you're, you've missed the language, you're just gone. You are seriously gone. <laughs> no one attends to you. Like you go to like public places, people are staring at you like you are not African. It just doesn't make sense. And this I mean, is, this is in Ethiopia, going back in Ethiopia, and also in like some North, Northern African African countries as well. The same thing still happens. Yeah, certainly. I mean, in North Africa, I definitely found a lot of people saying like, "Oh, I've never been to Africa." It's just, yeah. It doesn't make sense. You, you see, you see, you see. Those kind of phrases are probably what what um, separates. I mean, Sub-Saharan Africa from North Africa. It also happens in organizations where you have like different regions of the world. You have you have them put n Middle East and North Africa together. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Like you see organizations who you know want to bring the world together, want to make changes in the world. You also see like these little things, these little actions of mixing like two continents together. It it just doesn't make sense. That's that's why we still have problem. That's why those guys prefer to associate with the Middle East than Sub-Saharan Africa. It just doesn't make sense. So that, I think that it still comes down to leadership it comes down to the organizations and whatnot so what were you gonna a say really wide subject. <laughs> <laughs> when sharon said like <laughs> um uh, that the ethiopians will say african welcome to my world when i went to egypt and algeria and tunisia they called me african and then i will take the map on the phone because I don't understand why they are calling me African. And then I'll look at the map and then I'll see that Algeria, Tunisia and Egypt, it's all Africa and even Ethiopians. And then I'll go back. I was like, why are you calling me African? And then when you say your European friend in the team is having favorable treatment, I'll give you one example in Kenya. I went to the Ken uh, Tanzanian embassy. I was applying for a visa to come to Tanzania. I came with my papers, everything as they asked, and then I, I gave it. And then the guy took my paper and 
the woman, she was looking at it, taking her time, looking at it. And then she's like, why are you going to Tanzania? I was like, I'm going there as a tourist. And then she, he, she was about to interrogate me because I can see on her face that she's not happy that I am going to come here. And she was just looking at the paper, you're going there as a tourist? I was like, yes. But then Francis came and he, was, he looks at Francis and he smiled. And are you together with this woman? Francis said, yes. Ah, okay, no problem. Come and take your visa at 3 p.m. The interrogation that he was about to caution me, interview me, it's finished. At the airport, I will arrive with my nice passport full of stamps, and then the immigration guy will take it and be looking at it. Ah, where's your onward ticket? I don't have any. And then Francis will come behind me suddenly from and whatever he's doing, and then they were like, are you guys together? Francis will say, yes, she's my wife. Ah, okay, you're welcome. Here's your passport. This happened to me many, many times. Many times, so it's my world. <laughs> It's good that you even have more experiences than I do. The little experiences that I have, I just still can't place it, really. I, I still can't place it. It's, it's something else. I think it just goes back to the leadership of the continent as in general. What do you, let's go back to Nigeria, or let's end it on Nigeria. Let's end, uh, what do you see the future of Nigeria in the year 2020, 2025? You know, what are we looking at? How, how do you see the, the continent, uh, not the continent, the country evolving? I think there's going to be like really, really um, change, like big changes. And uh, there's definitely going to be like big changes because in terms of like the politics and governance, like um, you see like more young people actually pushing because I mean, they have had like eye openers in from, from the past leadership. So right now, like young people are, you know, energized, they're, you know, ready, they're proactive, they want to, you know, make the changes, they want to step up to, you know, being in governance and politics and whatnot. So it's really going to be interesting because I mean, right now we are trans transiting from, you know, the old people leadership into, you know, young people right now. So I think it's really going to be interesting. I do not have like a, a particular word or phrase <laughs> for how the, the how the the future of the the country is going to look like, but I think it would be really interesting to see like the changes that are going to happen, and you know, see more young people, you know, getting elected and seeing what they can actually do, not just talking, but what they can act, the actions they can bring um, to um, the growth of the country, basically. So. And uh, lastly, since you just arrived, I'm just curious about your fresh opinion about Tanzania since you just got here. Well, 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 I cannot technically say anything because I have been in there since with a lot of big bites on my body. <laughs> so I think like one of the, the positions that I've gotten from the country already is that there are a lot of big bugs. So whoever is <laughs> coming should really just get prepared to deal with the bugs first of all and then sort out it all. Like, but I think generally the country is fair. It's quite warm at this point. I don't know. It's really hot. But I think when I came, to, I came when it was really warm, so yeah. At least in Dar Salaam. Dar Salaam is, is boiling. <laughs> I so yes, so here is warm, but I plan to like explore like other places like in my short stay. So at at the end of my stay I can now, you know, have like a proper experience or if you go to the north, uh, it'll be a different experience. Uh, north is much colder up yes, there. Yeah. The northern parts of countries are much much more colder. Great. Well, thank you so much, Sharon. I wish you the best of luck in your travels through Africa and beyond. Thank you. (laughs) 
And that concludes this week's episode of the WanderLearn podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Here at the WanderLearn podcast, we explore travel, technology, and transformation. Now, we can't do it without your help, and I'm just going to ask you for one simple favor. All you got to do is subscribe to this, share it with your friends, review it, and send me lots of money. How hard is that? Simple. Seriously, if you'd like to see the show notes for this episode and any other episode, go to wanderlearn.com. It's always listed to the most recent episodes are first. Find out where my shop is. And if you want to help out the show a little bit, buy something from my shop. If you want to sponsor the show, you can send me an email at ft at francistaffon.com. That would be great. And finally, this show was edited by Rejoice Tapon, and the music was done by David Hamilton. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.